you need to shut up about this and just do a podcast so other people can listen to you. Welcome to the EuroWhat, episode 174 for the week of December 12th, 2022. We are a pair of Americans trying to make sense of the Eurovision Song Contest. I'm Mike McComb, and I'm joined today by Ben Smith. Hey, Ben. Hey, Mike. And our special guest, Susie Seeger. Hey, Susie. Hi. This week, we'll be talking about professional life after Eurovision. Welcome to the show, Susie. So how did you get introduced to Eurovision? Well, being from England, I grew up with Eurovision, um, so it was always there but I never really super got into Eurovision as it was just part of the culture. I think my earliest memory of Eurovision was probably Better the Devil You Know, <laughs> which is coming back to haunt us this year. Um, <laughs> in, in many, many, many forms, I'm quite sure. So that was probably my first major recollection of Eurovision, but I hadn't really latched onto it. Um, but fast forward to 2018, I had moved over to the States in 95, but hadn't really followed it. And I was at work and listening to Radio 2, and it happened to come on. And my employee at the time, who was a teenager, she's like, what, what is this? I thought, well, this is, it's Eurovision. And so I explained it to her and I thought, well, I haven't listened to this for years. So we left it on and started listening to it. Just got completely invested in it. Three, four hours in, it gets to the scoring. We're close to the end of the work day. And this teenager is like, I need to listen to the end of this scoring, you know. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we just got completely into it. And so I said to her, I said, look, next year when this happens, I'm going to make it an official day off for our company. <laughs> so we actually made Eurovision a day off and uh, had a, a watching party at my house. And so the following year, I actually did listen to the songs that were going to be in the contest and then realized, oh, we've got semifinals. So I actually paid attention to the semifinals. By the next year, the sickness was real. I was into the selection processes and the obsession just got worse and worse and worse. And uh, yeah, so by the, by the time uh, Mike and I ended up meeting in Turin and I was very, very deep into it and my friends were kind of like, you need to shut up about this and just do a podcast so other people can listen to you doing this. Um, uh, yeah, we just we just kind of went full force into it. So uh, and now I'm sort of doing a transatlantic thing with my sister in England, myself here and one of my best friends who's here as well. So we're doing a bit of a transatlantic podcast. It's called Euro Riffs. Our main focus is following artists and their music that they release after the contest. The reason I kind of like to focus on this i still follow from 2018 my favorite eurovision artist is waylon and i have followed him since that day so i decided to start looking into other artists and seeing what they were still doing um I had a couple of other people were like well i still follow so and so and i still follow so and so so i was like you know this could be interesting because i never really hear any of the other podcasts saying oh well so and so's still doing this or this has just come out from such and such and i thought you know what especially in the down season where everyone's still gagging for eurovision information why is no one doing this so I kind of polled some of my other friends, including yourselves, <laughs> to see, you know, if uh, if this might be something that other people might like to listen to. And I got a really good response about it. So I just decided, you know what? Yeah, let's do this. So we take 
sort of eight to ten songs each week and poll them between ourselves. We kind of tear them apart a little bit for, for the better or worse and let people know what's out there. We encourage the audience to send us their picks as well so that we can dive further back into Eurovision, further back than I'm, I've am i actually followed so far and to see if, if any of their favourites are still active or not which we've hit some dead ends on some of them, but we've had some surprises as well. There are certain people that were like, wow, they are still doing things um, and really pulled out some absolute crackers. Oh, that's that you, amazing. That you wouldn't yeah. think were still around. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm guessing the fandom has accelerated even more with the UK hosting next year. Yes. Um, you, it's it's quite funny. You've got your your sort of armchair Eurovision fans who, who now, oh, I've been fans of Eurovision for years. It's like, yeah, you haven't mentioned Eurovision in about 20 years, but all of a sudden <laughs> you're a fan. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, it's it's become a thing now. And will be probably for the rest of this year. So we'll we'll see. We'll see. Excellent, excellent. So before we dive deeper into the main topic, uh, we do have a couple of news items to check in on. Yeah, it feels like we're getting an earlier start than usual because like Slovenia announced their artists kind of out of the blue. We now know that they will be sending Joker out. Joker out is a pop rock band that has been around since 2016 in Slovenia. And while I was digging through and like literally, this is off of Slovenian language Wikipedia. They have received the Slovenian Golden Flute Award for Artist of the Year in 2021 and 2022. So, like, they are an of-the-moment band there. Oh, nice. We will not hear their song until February 4th. I like that strategy from Slovenia. Uh, the press photos of the band have felt very, like, BTS. Everybody is in, like, beige suits, but we've delineated the boys. Okay. <laughs> I have friends who are very deep into the K-pop fandom where I'm just like, okay, but these are the same seven people. This is the same person in different fonts. <laughs> and, like, that's the vibe I'm getting from the press photos. It's also, like, a little bit Girls 5 Eva. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. that that was what I was kind of getting from the photos. And I can't tell, like, if it was just kind of a bad press photo or if there is a joke that's going on that we're not privy to yeah, at yeah, the we moment. Just, so. that we're, we're just like my Slovenian is a little rusty. It is kind of surprising, though, because this is only the second time that Slovenia has done an internal selection. Yeah, yes, yeah. They generally go with, with Emma. Maybe it's a budget thing or like looking at the calendar and being like, oh, it's December. We haven't talked about this yet. Uh, so. uh, Joker out. How are you guys doing? Hello. Yep. Normal yeah. conversation topic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other big item that's happened this week is Junior Eurovision. It's not really our beat, but it did happen earlier today as we record this. And Ben, did you watch any of it? I did not. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Susie, I know you and uh, Well, we did, didn't we, Mike? Yeah. Yeah. Or like we watched some of it. Like we were talking uh, before we started recording about how we both kind of tuned in maybe about a half hour, 45 minutes into the actual show. So yeah. Yeah. We we were tweeting back and forth. (laughs) Yes. And it looked like it was a good show. The only thing that I have to compare it to is last year's show. France ended up winning and they've already confirmed that they want to host again next year. Yeah, the pr- the production value was fantastic. I have to say that it really was good. I mean, it it looked just as good as as 
the big show, frankly. I completely agree. Like, I thought the postcards were really quite good. They kind of were giving me, uh, like, Breath of the Wild DLC vibes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And, like, admittedly, I did not watch the show, but I feel like Armenia has been very excited about Junior Eurovision and has wanted to host that. So, like, it was very exciting when they won last year. It very much feels like Armenia wants to show themselves on the world stage, and this is one way to do that. Oh, and they did a fantastic job at it. They really did. Yeah. And they came in second. I got the sense that they really wanted to host it again if the opportunity presented itself. I thought they were going to pull off the double, honestly. I thought they were going to pull it off. Uh, Rosalind performed as one of the interval acts and did another fantastic performance of Snap. I liked her performance at Eurovision, but I kind of agree with everyone that it's just like every performance since then really does kind of give a sense of, well, why didn't she do that at Eurovision? It probably would have done so much better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's definitely evolved her performance of it. Um, I've watched a, a couple of different shows where she's done it and she's she's not afraid of changing it up. It actually kind of got me thinking, it's like, oh, I wonder if Armenia has been talking to her about possibly going again. Uh, I mean, I realize that this is kind of a weird time to do that just in the sense of like she could be taking off career-wise and may not want to step away for three months or however much of a time commitment that would be but i don't think it would be bad strategically for armenia to at least consider that i i would agree although yeah like you said like she's supposed to be touring with ed sheeran in the states next summer Mm -hmm. so i have no clue what potentially doing that again for armenia would require time-wise we also have the first songs of the year filling up our playlist for the 2023 contest uh, Estonia dropped their songs. The semifinals for that will be January 12th and 14th. They did not drop 40 songs on us again this year. I think that we are back to a sensible 20. The grand final for Estonia will be happening February 11th. That is a super Saturday, so just like put that in your planner now. That That's definitely in my planner. There is not a bad song in that bunch. Estonia is, is a beast this year. I completely agree. That is exciting to hear. Ukraine also dropped their songs for Vidbeer, which is going to be happening this coming Saturday. There are 10 songs in competition. I was kind of surprised by a couple of the entries in that they just sound so run-of-the-mill or like it could really be any country that sends them and like not necessarily being like a Ukrainian entry. So I don't know if that's just to kind of mix up the palette or like pr- present some options. Maybe it's a strategic move. Speaking in the the only other metaphor I really have brain-wise, Mystery Hunt, uh, my team won that last year. We have no desire to write again next year. So our strategy going into this is like, we don't want to win. <laughs> so we will be handling things very differently come January. And would not surprise me if, if Ukraine is like, we are very proud, we want to host. On the other hand, we're good with not winning. I feel like even when Ukraine doesn't want to win, they still send something very good. So we'll see. It's giving don't want to host again vibes, even though it's just like, well, that's not really the case here, but I still kind of get what you're doing. So mm-hmm. just like game recognize game, Ukraine. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking about what the off season has been like, there have been a lot of acts from recent Eurovision that have been touring in the States, uh, which is surprising. I mean, granted, a number greater than zero seems like a lot. But... <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, just like, honestly, <laughs> more than one is is a lot. This year alone, there's Dathi, Maro from Portugal, Kalush Orchestra, Monaskin. It's been a very busy calendar. Oh, yeah, and Renella. Wasn't she in yeah, Boston? Renella was, yeah, Renella was in Boston. Yeah, Renella. Mm-hmm. Blind Channel did too, didn't they? Oh, that's right. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Oh, and Netta. Don't forget Netta. 
How can we forget Netta? I think she hit every Pride event across the country. I mean, she was everywhere. Part of the reason that we wanted you here is we're talking about concerts and touring and the aftermarket for Eurovision. And we actually met at one of those concerts earlier this year. It was uh, the Dothy Fur Show in Chicago. We did. (laughs) That was a good show. Yes, yes. We became fast friends and ended up meeting up in Turin as well, which is a lot of fun. And yeah, do we think that this is a turning point for Eurovision or a turning point for the music industry just because of like how live performances have been impacted the last couple of years? I think the way that streaming is happening, I mean, you it, music is so much more accessible now. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially with the TikTok phenomenon, that just grabs a hold of something and just runs with it. So Eurovision music is just becoming so much more accessible, which is fantastic. So, I mean, I'm more than happy to run all over the country and go see whichever Eurovision act is happily running across our country at this point. I mean, I'm actually going tomorrow to Houston to go see Manaskin. Yes. So uh, I'm absolutely fine with it. I'm more than happy for that to happen. Excellent. Yeah, and uh, Ben, you recently saw Monoskin. How, how was the Boston show? That was part of my Thanksgiving weekend plans, was was seeing Monoskin. And, like, that was just kind of a wild show. I'm pretty sure you had just, like, all of the Italians in Boston were there. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> and also, this is partially just, like, people coming back to shows post-pandemic in general. But the crowd was rowdy. Like, attempting to moshing was happening. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, and to the point that, like, I had to split some people up. Because, like, I had to, like, intervene in, oh, in, in some, yeah, someone getting really heated. Like, someone's like, please don't, please don't push me. And there were a lot of words were happening. I was just like, guys, not now. Yeah. <laughs> so help me. I will go to the back of the arena. I don't need to deal with this. We're all packed in very tight. I think the Houston arena is quite small, so this will be really interesting. There's a new venue behind Fenway Park in Boston that's not the biggest venue we have, but sort of like the next step up from like a House of Blues here. But when you're not necessarily going to fill the full TD Garden, it's like it was a great room to see Monoskin in. There wasn't a bad seat in the house. Had a great time. But yeah, just got weirdly hot under the collar everywhere in that room. That was a lot of fun as a show, too. It's like they've really got their live game strong. I guess in terms of the makeup of the crowd, like you had mentioned that uh, like every every Italian in Boston there, may have yeah, been at that there, show. There was, like, there was just like a lot of Italian language happening. There were entire massive families in the general oh, wow. admission portion where I was. Yeah, like I was kind of I was kind of amazed because like the show didn't kick off until after nine p.m. and you had a lot of people who partially looked like they wanted to be in bed, but yeah. <laughs> but we're also very excited to see Monaskin happening. Like one of the things that I noticed at the Morrow show in Chicago. It didn't seem like it was a very Eurovision-heavy crowd. There were a handful of us scattered through, from what I could tell, but I was like mostly like college students, so I'm guessing there was a college radio influence, and then a large Portuguese contingent in the mix, which of course makes sense. Something that's just kind of interesting to observe, where it's like, oh, do these people even know about the Eurovision aspect of it? Um, and like kind of thinking of the Dothy shows as well. Yeah, I was going to say that. That's exactly how it was when when we met at, at the Dothy the shows because there was I think I spoke to maybe three people who actually really knew about Eurovision. Everyone else it was it was TikTok. 
Oh, interesting. I saw one Eurovision scarf at the Monoskin show with Dothy. I knew some Eurovision people were there because I was wearing a Mystery Hunt related shirt while waiting outside. And some people saw it and were like, hey, did you were you the guy who wrote the puzzle at Mystery Hunt? And like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so like I knew a handful of people and I knew just from like the segment of Eurovision Twitter we follow. I knew there were other people in the crowd. But at both his New York show in March of this year. And at the Boston show in September of this year, it was not a Eurovision-heavy crowd. This is this is tempting me very, very much to wear my subwoofer dress to the Monoskin show yeah. just to confuse everyone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just, just because. If you wear that, Eurovision fans are going to find you. Oh, yeah. Well, you can't miss it. I'm sure you've seen a picture of it. It's, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is thinking about like the aftermarket wider as a whole, just like who is releasing music. Like Subwoofer has been fairly active this year. I thought they were going to be one and done. I am amazed at what they've put out. And their Christmas record is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> I, so I have good. not listened to the Christmas record yet. I have I have a hunch of what's going on just from the title. Mm-hmm. It's it's hilarious. It really is. We're, well, we're actually about to record our Christmas show. And shocker, it's in there. <laughs> I yeah. can't wait to do it. <laughs> yeah, like, and Subwoofer is one of the ones where, like, I thought it was either going to be one and done, or it's like, no, we're not going to know the identity. We're, well, we know who they are, but we're not going to, like, right. fully know who they are. There, there's not going to be a grand reveal until, like, next year's final at earliest. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I guess I kind of got my wish with the Masked Singer, where <laughs> yeah, like, like, they're, they're just like, take it off, and they can't say, we get said the that on the show, and... and the monkey's paw curled a finger, and here we are. Yeah, yep. yeah. We're, just we're like, sorry, oh, you're going to know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really hopeful that this is going to be a trend that continues. One, because like I really do enjoy going to these smaller shows and seeing these people like travel about and like. The hope that they're still finding success after Eurovision. With Maro, so I just missed out on the chance to see her because before she was there, like she, I think she studied at Berkeley in my neck of the woods and she was performing at this space that's like right off of the Berkeley campus. It's like a super small room where it would have been like a really nice show. I've been there for a few other shows. Mm -hmm. And generally to see international acts that maybe can't fill like our our smaller, like more like concerty spaces, but the Berkeley Red Room like probably holds like 150 200 people i've seen like a couple norwegian acts there okay oh wow that's nice where it just tends to be like a really intimate show and that's just like a really lovely time i I wish more of them would actually head further south everyone seems to stay up across the northern part they kind of like hit new york and go across chicago and and head over towards la you know they don't they don't seem to scoop down south (laughs) i really wish they would New York, Chicago, L.A. Yeah. feels like it's very easy to make happen logistics-wise. Yeah. Uh, one or two have hit Atlanta, but I haven't actually made it. Because oh, I was actually going to go see Monoskin in Atlanta, but then they added the the Houston show. Seeing Monoskin in Chicago, my one fear was that it was they were going to bring out the fake Monoskin that they had at the <laughs> jury rehearsal. <laughs> it was just like, okay, I'm not going to believe it until I actually see them on stage. And even just then, like, it was like, ah. So. <laughs> just like, is this going to be a Gallagher 2 situation? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Susie, where can people find Euro Riffs? Uh, they can find them on all the major podcast locations. We're on basically all of them. We also have Eurorist.com. You can find us on there. Um, we're on all of the socials, Instagram, Twitter, all at Eurorifts.
We're in the process right now of editing, I'm editing three episodes, I think, right now. Um, And we're going to do a Christmas episode as well. I'm actually looking for some suggestions from anyone of their favorite 80s Eurovision acts. If anyone has any suggestions that they want us to look into, because we would love to do an 80s show. And I'm actually really wanting to do a country edition. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah, because I actually have up my sleeve 1980s TV star who was going to come guest host. I'm not saying who it is, but I think people might like it. Excellent. It's going to be fun. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. It was a true delight. <laughs> no problem. And hopefully we'll see everyone. We'll see both of you in uh Liverpool and maybe we can all get to go out and eat again so I'm Uh, still full from the last time we ate in Turin because good lord that food (laughs) (laughs) and that's going to do it for this episode of the Euro What thanks for listening the Euro What podcast is hosted by Mike McComb that's me and Ben Smith that's me if you'd like to help support the show and get bonus episodes join us at patreon.com slash Euro What show notes are in the description of this episode and on our website at EuroWhat.com there you can find past episodes and links to our socials and email. Next time on the Euro What, we close out 2022 with a big fat Euro quiz. 